Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. In the New Covenant, we have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by a new and living way. For so long, I was just always reaching out towards God. Where are you, Lord? But when I heard Andrew's message, it was just like the light bulb went off, and I just like knew God is here with us. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Friday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today is the end of my second week of teaching on grace and faith, talking about what is God's part and what is your appropriate response. And I tell you, this teaching has transformed my life. I pray that it's been a blessing to you also. I've got a lot more to share on this, but today I'm going to kind of just summarize some of the things that I've said during this first two weeks and make a direct application to being born again. You know, the scripture says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. That means that the way that you receive salvation is the way that you should continue to walk in salvation. And I think that the initial born-again experience, when a person first comes to the Lord and receives their salvation, that has been presented clearer than other things in the Christian life. For instance, here's an example. When people come to the Lord and get born again, they sing this song, Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood, O Lord, was shed for me, I come. And they put all of the emphasis on Jesus. And it's what Jesus did for you. And if that person has been living a sinful life, and if they say, but I'm not worthy and I don't deserve this, the average Christian will tell them, but you don't get what you deserve. It's all what God has done for you by grace and all you have to do is by faith receive it. And I think that the majority of the body of Christ agrees with that presentation I've just made. But when it comes to receiving from God on a day-to-day -day basis afterwards, they slip back into feeling like they have to do something to make themselves worthy and earn these things. In other words, they believe that God is going to respond to their goodness instead of them responding to God's goodness. For instance, if a person comes for healing, I've had many people tell me, I believe God heals. I know it's God's will. How come God hasn't healed me? And then they will point to, I fasted, I pray, I study the word, I pay my tithes, I go to church, I'm living holy, I'm doing everything I know to do. How come God hasn't healed me yet? And by saying that, see, they are completely violating and op operating opposite of what they did for their initial forgiveness of sins. Nobody comes to the Lord for salvation and says, now I'm holy and I'm living good and I'm a good person and God owes me salvation. If that's the approach that you took, you didn't get born again. You have to recognize that it's not based on your goodness. It's a free gift. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You can't work for a gift. You don't get a gift in exchange or in payment. It's not a gift if you had to do something to get it. And see, most people understand that when it comes to the initial forgiveness of sins. But then when it comes to healing, I've done this. How come God hasn't healed me? When it comes to prosperity, I paid my tithes. I gave. God's got to do this. Why hasn't God come through? See, right there in those statements, you're revealing to me what the problem is. Your faith isn't in what God did for you, 
but your faith is in what you have done for God and you expect God to respond to you. That's the problem. So again, Colossians 2, 6 says, as you have received the Lord, so walk ye in Him. If you receive the Lord by grace and just putting faith in what He's already done for you, well, then that's the way that you should receive healing. You don't have to do something to get God to heal you. God's already healed you. 1 Peter 2, 24, by His stripes you were healed. Now, are you going to believe that? Or are you going to believe what you feel in your body? Are you going to believe the negative reports that were given over you that you're going to die or that you're going to have to live with this the rest of your life? Are you going to believe that? Or are you going to believe that God has already done it? Did you know when you first got saved, one of the reasons that it was easy to receive that initial salvation was because you didn't have to see something immediately. You didn't have to feel anything. It's not like that the moment you made Jesus your Lord, that everything just totally changed. Now it did on the inside. On the inside, you became a new person. And to the degree that you accept that and renew it, you will see this transformation in your emotions and in your body. But when you got born again, if you were a man before you got born again, you're still a man after you got born again. If you were a woman, you're still a woman. Your body didn't change and your memories don't change. When a person gets born again, you don't automatically have my memories. You still have your memories. See, the change wasn't in the physical, emotional, mental realm. It was in this spiritual realm and you just believed what the Bible said, that if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that you would be saved. And you believed it. Even if your physical body didn't change, if your hair color didn't change, if your weight didn't change, if none of those things changed, you just believed and you rested in something that God promised. Now see, if we could do that same thing when it comes to healing, you would see healing manifest. But the problem is people come and they have like a pain in their body and they pray and they ask God. And instead of just resting and trusting in the fact that I believe God said that by his stripes I was healed and that if I believe I receive when I pray, then I will see it. And if you could rest in that the same way that you rested in the fact that your sins were forgiven, then you would see a physical manifestation in a very short period of time. But people come and if they have a pain and if that pain isn't instantly gone, well then immediately they think, well, God didn't do anything. Well, there wasn't any immediate physical results when you first got born again and yet you just trusted in it. You believed. In a sense, it was really a blessing that there isn't a physical natural change that takes place when you get born again because that way your faith is able to just stand in what God's word had says has said, but see, when it comes to healing, when it comes to prosperity, when it comes to something else, we immediately open up our eyes. And if we don't see the transformation immediately, doubt begins to enter in about God hasn't done anything. But I want to share with you that God has already done this. And when it comes to the initial born again experience, I think that most people have this figured out. Let me present it to you this way. When you came to the Lord, we often tell people, just ask the Lord to forgive your sins. Just pray and ask the Lord to forgive your sins. Did you know that technically that's incorrect? That's implying that God hasn't done it yet. And if you will ask, He might or might not do it. See, that's really not the way that people get born again. The right way is that you tell people 
that God has already forgiven your sins. Jesus has already died for you. And what that does, that takes a tremendous amount of doubt and question out of this thing. How can you question that God will forgive you of your sins if He's already died for your sins and already forgiven them? See, the way that salvation should be presented and the way that I think it is presented for those who got truly born again is that you present it that Jesus already came and commended His love towards you. For instance, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so you present it that Jesus has already done this. It's not a question of will He forgive me? Would Jesus die for my sins? He's already done it. If He's already done it, how could you doubt that He would do it? And so it becomes a matter of it's a done deal. God has already provided it. Now will you put faith in what Jesus has already done? That's how you access this grace, Romans 5, 2. This is how you partake of what God has already provided by grace. You just rest in it. You believe it. And see, that's the way that salvation has been presented. But then when it comes to other things in the Christian life, people revert back to thinking, oh God, I know that you can do this miracle, but you haven't done it. Would you move? And we start pleading with God to move and do something. And that's the reason that we don't see healings and prosperity and deliverance and joy and peace come as easily as we did the initial born again experience. If you understand true salvation properly, when you come to the Lord for salvation is not when He saves you. He's already saved you. He's already made the provision. Jesus died 2,000 years ago before you and I were even born. Before you and I had ever sinned, God had already forgiven our sins. Now, I know that there's some people that struggle with those things. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you here out of 1 John chapter 2. It says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation. The word propitiation means atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now notice, it didn't say that Jesus can be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. It says He is. It's already a done deal. Jesus died only one time. He doesn't die again. When a person comes to Him for salvation, it's not a matter of, oh Lord, would you forgive my sins? Would you put my sins upon Jesus? And would Jesus please pay for my sins? Jesus paid for your sins before you were ever born, before you ever committed sins. He already atoned for your sins. And it says He's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So the Lord didn't just forgive people who He knew would accept Him someday and be born again, but the Lord paid for the sins of the entire human race. He is the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. That's a radical statement. So if you understand this properly, what has really happened is by grace, God sent Jesus into this world for people who didn't love Him. Romans 5, 8, God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't just die for people who were already good and just needed a little bit of help. He died for the ungodly, Romans chapter 4. And Jesus came and took our sins 
the sin, not only the sins of believers, people who would accept Him someday, but He took the sins of the entire human race upon Himself and He paid for our sins. So technically speaking, sins have been paid for. Sin is not a problem between God and man. Jesus came not imputing man's sins unto them. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe it's verse 19. He reconciled us unto God, not imputing our trespasses unto us. So sin is not the problem. So really, it's not a matter. People will say, come and confess your sins. Did you know that there isn't a scripture that tells people to come and confess their sins for the purpose of getting born again? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that uh, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if you take that in context, this isn't written to the unbeliever. This is written to the Christian. You can see that in just two verses down. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not, and if any man sin. So he's writing to Christians here. And he says that you confess your sin. You do not confess your sins for the purpose of being saved. You don't have to get every sin under the blood in order to be forgiven because that puts the responsibility upon you to confess every sin. Can you honestly expect that you are going to remember every sin that you've ever committed? You know, many of our sins are just coming short of the standard we're supposed to be. It's not that it's a direct transgression or a rebellion towards God, but it says to him that knows to do good and does it not to him, it is sin. So sin is not only when you directly transgress a command of God, but sin is when you are supposed to be doing something like loving your mate, loving other people, studying the word, being kind, and on and on it goes. You're supposed to be doing good and you're failing to do the good. It's not only when you do bad and directly transgress, it's when you fail to be the good that you're supposed to be. Now, if you use that Bible definition of sin, all of us have sinned so much that we, there, it would be impossible to confess all of our sins for the purpose of getting born again. No, the truth is that whether you confessed your sins or not, Jesus came and took your sins and he died for the sins of the whole world and sins have been paid for. You do not have to confess your sins. Matter of fact, over here in, in uh, Acts chapter 16, this is where Paul and Silas were put in the Philippian jail. And at midnight, they began to sing and worship God and God sent an earthquake and it set them free and all of the prisoners. And yet there was such a powerful manifestation of God in that place that none of the prisoners left. And the guard was about to kill himself because if his prisoners escaped, they would come and kill him for letting them go. So rather than go through the torture that the Romans would give him, he was going to kill himself. But Paul knew what he was thinking. He called out and he says, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. So the jailer went and got a light and he came in. And when he saw that they were all still there, he said this in Acts chapter 16, it says, he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said unto them, confess all of your sins and ask God to forgive you. Nope. That's not what he said. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. He didn't mention that you have to confess your sins and ask God to forgive you. 
See, that's implying that it's all dependent on God responding to you. If you will confess your sins and then if you will ask God to forgive you, maybe God will respond to you. No, the truth is God by grace has already provided salvation for every man. A verse that I used last week, Titus chapter 2, verse 11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. God by grace has dealt with the sins of the entire human race. Sins have been paid for. An atonement has been made for the sins of every single person that has ever or will ever breathe on this planet. Jesus has already paid for their sins. But does that mean that they're already saved? No, because you're saved by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. We have access by faith into this grace. God by grace has provided salvation for every person upon the planet, but you have to respond in faith in order to appropriate that grace. And so, how do you do that? You have to believe on the Lord Jesus. You have to believe that Jesus has already paid for your sins, that the provision is there. Again, if, if you were to take literally the way that it's said many times in religion today where they say you have to ask the Lord to forgive your sins. See, that's implying that it's not a done deal. It's not already been done. And so you have to ask and say, God, will you do it? That's really incorrect. You have to understand that He's already done it. And instead of saying, God, will you do it? You have to say, Father, I believe that Jesus has already done this. And that's, and I receive. See, this is why it's so much easier for people to get saved than it is for them to get healed, delivered, prospered, and all of these other things that we need during our Christian walk. And it's because we come to the Lord by putting faith in what is already done. Grace is an accomplished fact and we aren't asking Him to save us. We aren't asking, will He forgive us? We are believing that it's already been done and we're just reaching out and taking that. And see, that's the reason that many of you have been born again and there is a genuine change in your heart and yet you struggle to receive healing, to receive joy, to receive prosperity, leadership, wisdom, on and on and on it goes. Because you, you received salvation by grace through faith, but now you are trying to receive direction and healing and prosperity by faith in what you are doing and you believe that God is responding to you. You don't see it as a done deal. You don't see it as something that He's already accomplished. Man, if you could understand what I'm saying and then go back to Colossians 2, 6, the verse I started today with, where it says, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. How did you receive salvation? Did you earn it? Did you come and say, God, I've been doing this, now you've got to save me? Let me just ask you this. Before you got born again, how many of you had been holy? Some of you had been living in adultery. You'd been shooting dope. You'd been getting drunk. You had a profane mouth. You were sleeping around. You were doing all kinds of things. You were doing everything wrong. You had nothing good to your credit. And yet you got convicted. The Holy Spirit spoke to you and you came just as you were in the midst of your sin and you got saved because your faith was 100% in what Jesus did for you and not what you had been doing for him. You didn't have any goodness, any worthiness to be pointing to. You came and you put faith in what Jesus had done for you. 
If you would maintain that same attitude and put faith in what God has already done to heal you, that by His stripes you were healed, not by your goodness and holiness. And if you came and, and exhibited the same type of faith in what God has already done, you would get the same results that you did when you first got born again. But see, most people start by grace through faith, but then they start saying, now I've got to live holy. I've got to study the word. I've got to pray. Unless I pray an hour a day, unless I do this, unless I don't dip or cuss or chew or go with those that do, if I don't quit this, God won't move in my life. And what you've done, you've quit putting faith in God's grace. You are now putting faith in your performance. The average Christian's relationship with God is performance-based instead of grace-based and putting faith in God's grace. And this is why it's so much easier to get healed, I mean, saved than it is healed. If you would stop and think about it, it ought to be just the opposite. If you could come to the Lord and receive the greatest miracle that ever was, which is salvation, the forgiveness of your sins, and if you could receive that when you were living in sin, when you didn't have any fasting and prayer and tithing and church attendance to put to your credit, you had nothing going for you, and yet you believed God and received this greatest miracle of all when you were absolutely destitute, just as you were. You came and put total faith in His goodness. If you could receive that with no goodness to your credit, it ought to be much easier now that we're born again, and even though you still aren't the person that you should be, we still fall short. Many of you are living a million times better than you were before. You aren't doing those same things, and yet you struggle to receive your body healed or to receive finances or to receive wisdom and direction from God. It ought to be just the opposite. Matter of fact, it says this over in Romans chapter 5. I've already quoted this verse but in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God commended His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He commended His love toward us while we were still in sin, before we had any of these good things to our credit. And then the next verse says, Much more than being now justified, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. If you could believe that you could get born again before you had done all of these great things. Well, then much more now that we are on this side of salvation should we be able to believe. And to me, that just makes it really simple. If we would go back to the simplicity of how did you get saved? You didn't deserve it. You didn't point and say, oh God, I'm really a good person. I'm better than this person over here. No, if you did that, you didn't truly get saved. You had to come to the Lord and admit that I've sinned. You know, the Bible says that Jesus came to save sinners. If you don't admit that you're a sinner, if you don't admit your unworthiness, if you don't humble yourself and say, God, I need a Savior, then you can't truly be saved. So you came not trusting in any of your goodness, not thinking that God is going to respond to your goodness, but rather it's you responding to God's goodness. You putting faith in what He has done. That's how you got saved. That's the same way that you continue to walk with the Lord. We hope you enjoyed this edition of The Gospel Truth. Andrew would like to extend a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible for us to broadcast the message of God's unconditional love and grace all around the world. 
Because of your contributions, we've been able to put free ministry resources into the hands of millions in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. I would really like to encourage you to get this teaching on living in the balance of grace and faith. I think this really just summarizes the position that God has given me in the body of Christ. It seems like you have people that are either into faith or into grace, but very seldom are the two combined, and this teaching would transform your life. I've got a book in English. I've got one in Spanish. We have a study guide here that is the same material. It's just reformatted so that you can disciple other people. You can print out the questions in here. And then we have a CD set of this exact same teaching. And then I have two different DVDs to offer you, one that was taken from our television program and the other one was taken live from one of my uh, meetings that I've held. So please listen to our announcer, respond today, and get this material on living in the balance of grace and faith. Andrew's teaching titled, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith, is available as a live teaching on either CD or DVD, or in a DVD set as seen on TV. You can also get this teaching as a book or study guide in either English or Spanish. Or you can get the Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith package, which includes your choice of either the CD or DVD album, the book and the study guide. This package has a catalog value of $85, but you can get it today for only $60. Also, today's individual audio CD is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. This is the last day we'll be offering this teaching so be sure to respond today. You can order resources or become a Grace Partner through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download many free resources. Or call our helpline at 719-635-1111. If you'd like to write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of March, Andrew will be at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park, Colorado for the annual Karis Bible College Men's Advance with special guest Tony Dungy, NFL Hall of Fame and Super Bowl winning coach, and James Brown, Emmy Award winning broadcaster on the CBS and NFL networks. Also at the Sanctuary in March, Andrew will be hosting the Army Conference for Ministers with special guest, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, Representative Bob McEwen, Dr. Barry Burns, and Barry Bennett. In April, Andrew will be back at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park for the annual Karis Bible College Campus Days with Karis instructors Barry Bennett, Carrie Pickett, Greg Moore, Rick McFarland, Daniel Bennett, and Lawson Perdue, and also to host the new musical, David, the King of Jerusalem, a story of the faithfulness of God's grace in spite of struggle and tragedy. Also at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park, Andrew will be hosting a special concert with John Tesh. 
For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I'd like to encourage you to check out our Gospel Truth TV. You've got well-known people on there like Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, Keith Moore, and it's a safe place to be. You are going to be blessed. So check it out. It's 24-7, gospeltruth.tv.